Okay. <clears throat> Continuing our series uh, uh, this morning called Sit, Walk, Stand uh, um, from the book of Ephesians. And I want to I jump right into the scripture this morning. So I want to read the script, scripture as we're standing. And then I want to pray for us. And at the end of, uh, of my time of prayer, then I'll ask that we join in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. And that's up on, that will be up on the screen at the end of the prayer because it's a, probably a different version than you've, uh, than you've uh, heard, uh, spoken before. So <clears throat> receive uh, the word of God given through the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 3. This is uh, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we ask this morning that you would root this prayer in our hearts. We ask, Lord, that as we look to the apostolic prayer, the prayer that you inspired by your Holy Spirit, that we would see your will for us in it, and that, Lord, we would do the only logical, rational, faith-filled thing to do, align ourselves with it. So we ask God for that Holy Spirit alignment this morning in us as we look to the scriptures and as we look to you and ask that you speak to us. And now together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. You can be seated. Okay. <clears throat> I know there's a lot of instruction this morning, but I want you to uh, uh, find a pen in front of you. Hopefully there is a pen. If you need to move to get a pen, go ahead and get a pen. I want every human in the room to have a pen in their hand. That means some of the younger humans will probably stick them in their mouth, but that's okay with me. You've got a pen in your hand. You've got a piece of paper. That's the back of your bulletin. Um, your arm, a piece of paper, your husband's forehead. <laughs> um, everybody got a pen and something to write on. I'm, I'm going to give you the application to the message right up front. Uh, there, there, there's only uh, one thing I'm going to ask you to do in response to the message this morning. One thing. It's two words. And I'm giving to, it to you now so you can just uh, work yourself into it or up to it throughout the message. All right? Is everybody ready? You got your pen? You got your paper? Bulletin? Forehead? Whatever? Okay. Two words. I just want you to write them down. Show up. S-H-O-W-U-P! Exclamation point. 
show up. Uh, and I'm serious about it. This is the response to the message this morning. Show up. We're looking at this uh, famous uh, prayer of, of the Apostle Paul. And there's no instruction in the prayer. There's no command in the prayer. There's no application in the prayer to our daily lives. There's nothing here that Paul says. I mean, Paul's pretty good at do this, do that, don't do this, all that. Nothing here in this prayer. All of the activity that happens in this prayer is God's activity. God does it all. We respond to it. There's some, there's some understanding. There's some power received. But the entire intent of this prayer of Paul is this, that we would align ourselves with what God already wants to do. I mean, this prayer is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That means God thought up this prayer. Do you think that God wants to answer the prayer that he came up with? I'm guessing yes. You ever go into prayer and you, and you pray you know, for a while and you think, that was a feeble prayer. It's probably half wrong. God won't like that one. You may or may not feel that way. I'm, I, I think there's no such thing as a feeble prayer for encountering God. That's good. But this is a prayer from God. So this is God saying through the Holy Spirit, through Paul, to the Ephesians 2,000 years ago, to the Vineyardites in 2012, this is what I want to happen in you. And this prayer is all about encounter. It's all about encounter. Our mission statement as a church is to encounter the love and the power of God. That's the receiving part. And then give it away to the world. It's a, a twofold mission. We get it and we give it. And, and it's exactly the premise of this prayer. That we would encounter God's love. That we would encounter God's power. And that through that encounter, the world would know that Jesus is the one with ultimate love and power. The definition of encounter, all right? I realize that the word itself is not in the scripture, but, I want, but we're about to head into 24-7 prayer, and we're calling it encounter God. That's the point of our next 44 days together in prayer in that tiny room. I'll tell you, that tiny room is going to get thick with the presence of God. God already has 1,056 appointments on his agenda. 1,056 appointments in God's Outlook calendar. And they're all scheduled right there in the next 44 days. Now, interestingly enough, a third of them are already filled up by people in this church. Over 320 slots already filled. So you're going to have to run to get your place if you feel inspired to show up while I'm speaking, you have my permission to exit the room and sign up right now. Just come back in with your little reminder card, okay? Definition of encounter. Just uh, Webster's Dictionary. To meet, to come upon face-to-face, to come upon or experience especially unexpectedly. This is what God is all about this next 44 days with us in the vineyard. He wants to meet us. He wants to have a face-to-face interaction with us. Expectedly or unexpectedly, he wants to have an encounter. That's what God wants to do. I'm convinced that uh, God has planned to meet each and every one of us in the prayer room. So this prayer that Paul prays for this face-to-face encounter with God, to, to understand God's love and his power, it's a prayer worthy of understanding. It's a prayer worthy of emulating. I'm going to give you a suggestion. If you've got nothing else to do for the week, 
or for the next uh, 30 minutes after the message, memorize this prayer. Memorize this prayer. This is the heart of God for you. Why not pray it right back to him? So uh, just uh, we're going to look at the prayer uh, verse by verse for the next couple of minutes. But before that, remember the application of the message. You can go ahead and say it out loud. Your job is to. That's it. That's it. I, uh, maybe when we have Ash Wednesday service this Wednesday, we'll just write in ashes, show up on everyone's forehead. We'll do it backwards so you can look in the mirror. Wouldn't that be fun? You really like that, don't you? <clears throat> so uh, Paul begins at uh, verse 14. He says this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. The, I got the kneeler. See? Isn't this fun? <clears throat> He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. So when you see for this reason, you've got to figure out, well, what's the reason he's talking about? So if you remember a few weeks ago, we started, uh, um, uh, actually, I guess it was last week, Stephen, Ephesians 3.1. Paul says, for this reason, and then actually in the Bible, it, it, there's, there's a break. And the next 12 or 13 verses are a big parenthesis. He says, for this reason, and he goes on and on. And on. It's big. Stephen gave a great message on the big parenthesis last week, basically. And then back in verse 14, again, he says, okay, remember all that stuff, you know, God's doing this in the church, amazing things. Okay, for this reason, so you're still trying to figure out, Paul, what's the reason? Why are you kneeling before God? Why this great prayer that we're going to emulate and expect the answer to in our lives? And it goes back to Ephesians 2, um, 19 to 22. Remember this from two weeks ago. So then you, Vineyard Community Church, are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, being joined together into a holy temple in the Lord. This is his reason. This is what's happening. You're not aliens anymore. You've been grafted in. You're in the family of God. And God's joining you together, one with another. All of us. This is the corporate work of the Holy Spirit among us. He's joining us together into a holy temple. In him, you're also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the reason Paul prays the next eight or nine verses. This reason. You and I are being built into a house for God. We're the bricks and the mortar. We're the stones and the cement of God's dwelling place. And God is a God of love and power. So Paul's going to pray this prayer about love and power, and he wants it for us because we are the loving, powerful stones that God's putting together to build a house that he himself will live in. So Paul says, you've got to get this because you're a part of a house and God's hanging out there. That's why it's so crucial, Paul says, that you encounter God's love and his power because you're a living stone, 1 Peter 2. You're a living stone. And you're being fitted together as you love one another and the world with the power of God. You make a place for God to manifest his presence. It's an unbelievable privilege that we carry to know God's love and his power. So it's this reason we're being fitted together to make a place for God to live. That Paul says, I kneel before the father from whom every family gets their name. I'm not going to do the whole message kneeling. That would be weird. <clears throat> I considered it. My back is killing me and it really makes it feel good. Paul says, I kneel before the Father. Kneeling is, uh, uh, is a symbol. I'm not saying that every time you enter into the prayer room, you have to kneel. 
But when we kneel with our bodies, we're, we're declaring a few truths. We're declaring a few truths. And so Paul says, I kneel before the Father. Paul uses a lot of words, but every one is important. There's some reason Paul says, I kneel. And I think it's because he realizes that when with our body posture, we speak to God with our body sometimes. When we kneel, this is what I'm saying. God, I humble myself before you. When I kneel, I say, God, you're God and I'm not. Praise you, not me. When we kneel, we say, I come with nothing except the faith that you yourself give me. When we kneel, we say, I've got problems, issues that I cannot solve, fix, or manipulate to go my way. And I need you to act. It's a beseeching posture. So I'm going to encourage you during your times of prayer in the next 40 days that you spend some time kneeling. It's, it's peaceful. You just kneel and you say, God, you're God and I'm not. I come with nothing. I need to be filled. And so I, I recommend you spend some of your time kneeling. So Paul says, for this reason, you're being fitted together into a house that God's living in. I kneel before the Father. I kneel before him. And this is what God wants for us. Paul's prayer. I pray that out of God's glorious riches... God is never lacking in riches to bless you. God is never lacking in riches to bless you. I think I told this story, I don't know, a couple of months ago. I won't go into the whole thing, but I remember a time in my life, this is years ago, I, just, uh, I was just crippled by an issue in my life. I just didn't know where to turn. And uh, I was living in Chicago at the time, and I remember walking through the streets of Chicago, literally, crying out, God, is there mercy for me? I mean, and it was an honest question. I really thought, God, have I gone too far? Have I screwed up my life to such a point that you can't reach me where I am? I'm just telling you here this morning. When Paul says, out of God's glorious riches, he's asking for us to be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner beings. Paul's saying this, there's always an abundance of richness, blessing, and mercy for you in the heart of God. There's no one here who could outsin the love and the mercy of God. I'm not suggesting you attempt it. Okay? I'm not suggesting you attempt it. But the whole point of this prayer is that this love that God has bestowed upon us in Christ is immeasurable. We, we can't fathom what it's like. And so Paul starts right out. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, abundance of love, power, and grace and mercy towards you, out of his glorious riches, that he would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Here's the power encounter. The Apostle Paul prayed for us to have a power encounter with God. He's, he's essentially saying, I love you all, and we have various, uh, you know, uh, various degrees of strength in our lives, but what Paul is basically saying is, compared to God, we're a bunch of weaklings. This place where we interact with God, the soul, this place where um, our physical existence encounters God's reality. It happens in our soul, our inner being. It's like the CEO, like the, the international headquarters of your life with God is right here in your soul. And Paul says, right here, you need power. <laughs> you need more than the breakfast of champions. You need more than a 
what's the big uh, a jolt or a rock star energy drink or whatever, Red Bull. <laughs> He's saying you need power. You need to be strengthened with power through His Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's work to release the power of God into our lives. That's why we're a Holy Spirit church. That's why we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come. That's why we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it's the job of the Holy Spirit, since Jesus has departed from the earth and sits in heaven, to release God's power into us. That's what he wants to do. And Paul says, this is my prayer. This is why I want you to show up for your encounter with God. Paul says this, because I'm asking that God will do this amazing thing. He will strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I fully expect that dozens, hundreds of us will walk out of that room. There's nothing mystical or magical about the room, but it's a place to encounter God. Hundreds of us will walk out of that room in the next 40 days and we will feel spiritual power. We will sense it. We will know that we've been in the presence of God and we're different than when we walked in. Do you believe that can happen in one hour? Yes. We are talking about God, by the way. God's going to do this. Because what's your job in the prayer room? Show up. Show up. God's initiating the encounter. And he's just asking you, show up, because here's what I want to do. Strengthen you with power by my Holy Spirit in your inner being. This is a legal prayer. God, I want more power. And you see that in the political realm right now, everyone's grappling for power, right? Everybody wants power. In the spiritual realm, that's a legal prayer. God loves that prayer. God, give me more power. Power. Not power to control people, not power to influence to get my way, but power through the Holy Spirit to be strengthened in my inner being so that this, uh, this uh, place where I interact with the reality of God is stronger and stronger so that when I walk out into the world and I encounter the reality of the other guy, Satan working out there, I don't have to turn and be afraid because I've been empowered by God in my inner being through the Holy Spirit. It's Paul's prayer. Strengthen me with your power through your spirit in my inner being. Verse 17, Paul says, um, for this, that Christ might dwell in your heart through faith. Now, if you might be thinking to yourself, doesn't Paul know Jesus lives in our hearts? Doesn't he know that? Why would he pray this prayer and say that that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith? Remember that he's writing to believers, right? So he knows, Paul the theologian knows that Jesus lives in the hearts, in the innermost beings of these people. So why does he say, praying that you'd be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith? He's just saying what I think we see in Ephesians over and over and over again. Here's the theological truth, and I want you to experience it more. I want an increased experience of Christ in your hearts through faith. I want that for you, is what Paul says. I want that for you, is what God says to us this morning. It's like Paul saying this, I want Jesus to have more rule and reign in your hearts. I want an expanded experience. Remember, the whole prayer is about encounter. It's all about encounter. 
You don't have to put anything on your to-do list there. Oh, I have to remember to get Jesus in my heart by faith. No. If you've come into a relationship with God, it's present. Paul's just saying, let that reality seep out of your life. An increased experience with the reality of Jesus running your life. We talk a lot in the church here about the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God. Remember, Jesus said the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. And so one of the things we're praying these next 40 days, along with the Apostle Paul, is this, that he would rule and reign in an increased way in every heart, in every life, in every family, and consequentially in every place that we go as the people of the kingdom of God, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. So do you believe that it is God's desire that you would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your innermost being. Do you think that's true? Okay, here's what I want you to do. Practice. Alright? Why don't you just put your hand on your heart. Open your eyes, close your eyes, doesn't matter. Put your hand out. We're just going to pray and say this. Lord, we believe that we're reading and understanding the prayer of your heart. So God, I ask right now, in the name of Jesus, and by your Spirit, Lord, that you would strengthen us with power through your Holy Spirit in our innermost beings. I ask for every person here this morning, Lord, that their experience these next 40 days would be an increase in the rule and the reign of Jesus in each heart. God, it is our heart's desire that you would dwell here in our hearts by faith that we would encounter your love and your power. Do it in us, God, because only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. See, it's, God's already started. He's meeting us. He's delivering to us love and power. <clears throat> Paul goes on the end of verse 17. He says, <clears throat> his prayer is that we would be rooted and established in love he used this interesting an agricultural analogy and then an architectural analogy. Here's what he's saying, I think. I want the soil of everything that grows in your life to be love. I want everything that, that pops out of your life to have as its motivation, as its nutrient system, love. The love of God. And thinking in an architectural way, I want the foundation of your life, God's saying through Paul, to be firm. I want it to be the love of God himself. This love. That everything that we put on, that uh, is built on top of the, the uh, foundational structure of our lives is founded on love. My guess is that we will find in the next 40 days as we go through Lent and we examine our hearts that God will show us because he loves us so much. He's going to show us some places where the root system and the foundational structure is not love. And he's not going to show us that to condemn us or to or to punish us. He's going to show us that because he loves us. He's going to say, oh, that soil's bad. Let's get rid of that and replace it with love. Oh, that structure that you've been building your relational uh, relationships on, that's crumbling. That's why they keep falling. We're going to get rid of that. You're going to repent. I'm going to repent. And then God's going to fill in that that foundational structure with his love. 
Only God can do that. We can't make it happen, but we can show up. We can show up. We can kneel before the Father and say, do that in me, God, in these next 40 days. So Paul says that you would be uh, rooted and established in love, that you would have power with all the saints to grasp how high and long and wide and deep is the love of Christ. Power with all the saints. So I think God's instructing us through Paul here, we don't do this alone. Your relationship with God, your experience with the love of God is uh, personal, but it's not private. It's, it's crucial, I think, that we understand it. Introvert or extrovert. Our experience of God's love is personal. It's, very, it's personalized to us. God does it in a very loving and intimate way. But it's not private. It's not meant to be only a closet experience. Because God fills us with his love so that eventually his love will seep out of us. And you know, there are things about the love of God that we can only learn through other saints. You know, when Paul says saints, do you know he's talking about you? (laughs) He's even talking about me. The word just means holy one. We think of saints as, you know, four or five centuries ago, right? Or a thousand years ago, St. Patrick. When Paul says grasp, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, together with all the saints, he just means with all the holy ones, all the ones made holy. I won't embarrass you, but I would, if I was in a different style of a church, I might say, turn to your neighbor and say, you're a holy one. Go ahead and do it anyway. <laughs> a holy one. A holy one. And that doesn't mean that your life is perfect, Right? You're not turning to your spouse. I'm looking at a particular spouse I know. (laughs) Not my spouse, somebody else's. You're not turning to your spouse and saying you are perfect in every way, physically, in your current condition of life. No, you're saying you've been made perfect by the perfect one. And that makes you a holy one. Does it change the way you want to interact with the people around you? It does for me when I see not mainly sinner, but saint. So there, there are things about the love of Christ that we can only learn through other saints, through other people made perfect by the love and the sacrifice of the perfect one, Jesus. We're holy ones. That's really cool. We're saints. We'll all get an icon for everybody afterwards with your own picture on it. And you don't like that idea. <clears throat> Paul says uh, that you would have uh, power with all the saints together to grasp how high and long and wide and deep is the love of Christ. High and long and wide and deep. Is there another dimension that Paul didn't get in there? The fifth dimension? No, that's a band, right? There's no other dimension. Paul's saying the love of Christ is all-encompassing. It's bigger and broader than even I have words to give. Paul, who's a great writer, a great theologian, an incredible intellect, inspired by the Holy Spirit, runs out of superlatives. Paul runs out of words. I mean, you get to the end of this passage, and I mean, I won't go through it all, but he basically says, I want you to be, I want you to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's like he, Paul says, it's amazing. I want this experience for you and infinity. 
because he runs out. Paul has no idea how he can explain to a human, as a human, how complete the love of Christ is. How far-reaching, how deep, how broad, how high. He's got no way to do it. It's like, I mean, uh, if you... I went to the Grand Canyon a couple of years ago. I'd never been to the Grand Canyon. My wife was like, you've got to go to the Grand Canyon. You're going to love it. It's amazing. And I literally said the words to her, whatever, it's a big hole. <laughs> I come from British stock. We're very understated, you know. Okay, it's a big hole. I, I couldn't fathom it. I'd seen pictures. I'd seen movies about the Grand Canyon. I'd seen, you know, the helicopter fly over and all that. Like, okay, it's a big hole. And then I stood at the edge of the big hole. And I walked down into the big hole. And I walked out much slower of the big hole. And I'll tell you the thing. that I mean, the beauty was striking. The depth was striking. The formation, the colors, all that was striking. The most miraculous thing that happened. I don't know if any of my kids are here this morning yet. I saw three teenagers in awe. When's the last time you saw a teenager in awe? You might have heard them say awesome about 47,000 times. But to actually have a teenager with all the media and stuff they, you know, that floods into them to stand at the edge of the big hole and go, no words. That's what Paul's saying here. I want you to get this. He, he says this, I want you to grasp this with all the saints. How high and wide and long and deep is this love? This love that surpasses knowledge. In other words, it can't be known by a human, but here's what I'm praying that God will do. I'm praying that you'll know it. To know the unknowable. Which means, you know what? It's not about our intellect. He's not talking about our capacity to understand and describe the love of God. He's talking about encounter. Paul's saying, this is what I'm going to ask God to do for you. To help you know experientially, intimately, have an encounter with the love and the power of God that's immeasurable, that can't be completely understood, but somehow can be given, can be communicated to people, can be experienced by the saints, by you, the holy ones. That's Paul's prayer. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants God to do. And I believe that's God's desire for us. And the only thing that we have to do is show up. We show up right here with empty hands like this. God, I, don't, I didn't bring anything to this meeting. You have everything that I want. I need more love. I need more power. I need more mercy. I need more instruction and understanding. I need more of you. And that's my prayer for us in the next 40 days, that every one of us shows up for the encounter. I'm going to challenge every person in the church, every person sitting here this morning, and in the next service, another 200 or so, to spend at least one hour in the prayer room. Just show up. You don't have to bring words. You don't have to bring a journal. You don't have to bring anything. Just empty hands and the faith that God's given you. They'll be there. Let's pray the communion servers can come forward. We'll prepare for communion. <clears throat> Lord, we, we sit before you this morning 
And thank you that you inspired a prayer that you yourself want to answer. And so, Lord, we'll take this prayer as our own. Lord, out of your glorious riches, will you strengthen us with power in our inner beings through your Holy Spirit? Would you give us power together with all the holy ones in our lives to grasp somehow how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ? Even, God, to know this love that's beyond knowing. That we would be filled, God, somehow to the fullness of all the measure of Jesus himself. We want to know your love like Jesus knew your love. We want to know your power like Jesus knows your power. That's our prayer, God, and we know that only you can answer it. And we believe that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have given your life to following Christ, that means that Jesus does dwell in your heart by faith. And this is your opportunity to thank God for the gift of that eternal life that's within you right now. So uh, just come down the diagonal aisles, take a piece of the bread representing the body of Christ and dip it into the wine or the juice represents his blood that has made you a holy one, perfect in his sight. So when you're ready, please come forward. Good morning. I am uh, Marco, and I just want to share something quickly. Um, I was uh, struck by what Randy was sharing this morning, and uh, just want to give a cent to that and say an amen about um, dwelling with him and uh, spending time with him. And share a quick vignette about what I think, what I've seen in my own life, a quick testimony in my own life as to what can come out of that, um, which is that um, I grew up in a divorced family. Um, my dad left my mom in 1982, and uh, that really shattered my childhood. But in coming to Christ and coming to faith um, and, and dwelling with him and spending time with him, uh, the testimony is that um, in 2000 I was working with him. He's a landscaper. We were working together on his job site, and I had yelled at a different vineyard. We lived in Massachusetts where I'm from. And I yelled out, where were you in 1982? And, that, and, I, and I was directing that toward my dad. I was at a time of clinic. And where were you in 1982? Well, long story short, I got some healing prayer. And what I realized, that I, what I was asking was, God, where, are you, where were you, God, in 1982? That was really the question. And what I want to say is that God was in my mom, my single mom, who kept my family together. God was in my brother, who went through that with me in Christ. God was in the church where I got saved. God's in my wife. God's in Randy and Jane. That, that's the answer to the question. And what, what happened was I was able to stand with him at, this, uh, at his job site. And ready for this, here's a miracle. He said, what do you think happened in 1982? That's how I opened the conversation. Long story short was that I shut up and I listened to him, which was, I mean, I'd been healed, right, enough to listen. It's not just be pissed off. So I listened to him. And then here's the miracle that I want to share with you. And I just want to speak hope into you in Jesus' name that as you sit in that prayer room that I pray this for you. I pray for restoration. I stood with him and I gently rubbed his back. And we're not touchy-feely, okay? It's God. I gently touched his back. I rubbed his back. 
And with tears coming down my face, I said, I'm so sorry for what happened to you. I didn't excuse the fact that he cheated on my mom, right? But I heard his side of the story. And I loved him because God loved me first. So let's pray that for you guys. Um, and however that hits and that there's hope, there's hope. Will you stand with me? Before I, I close in prayer, um, a reminder, I uh, encourage you to consider coming to the Ash Wednesday service this Wednesday, 630. Be a little bit more uh, quiet um, and uh, reflective, uh, uh, the formal beginning of Lent. Um, Lent was just uh, started in the 5th century as uh, the 40 days without Sundays before Easter, where those who had come to Christ in the previous year um, set a time aside to examine themselves and to prepare themselves to be baptized on Easter morning. And so what the community of faith decided is if they're preparing themselves before God for those 40 days, they're going to come into our community and we're going to be their brothers and sisters. We too will prepare ourselves. We too will examine ourselves. Take this time for examination, not introspection, but opening our hearts to the Holy Spirit, you know, to show us where those the leaky foundation and the bad soil is and repent and come again to the newness of Easter, the reality of the resurrection and the the saving work of Jesus. So that begins uh, Ash Wednesday at 630. Encourage you to come and be a part of that. Service will be about an hour or so. And then we'll um, we'll pray the first person into the prayer room. Christine mentioned that there are a lot of resources in the prayer room. I've put eight or ten of my own books in there, just books that were helpful for me in terms of spending time with God, prayer, understanding. I encourage you during these next 40 days, um, show up in the prayer room to meet God. Um, Add in a little reading over uh, this time about your relationship with God. Throw in some fasting just for the fun of it. I'm going to have some uh, fasting resources back in the prayer room, too, where you can understand what's the point of fasting. How does that prepare you to be to to have an encounter with God? Throw in some community. I would encourage encourage everyone to spend one hour in the prayer room, at least by themselves. But I encourage every single one of you to invite another person in with you. Maybe, you know, someone in your home group or in your neighborhood for whom it would be very hard, just a real challenge to sit for an hour before God invite them to come with you you might be the saint the holy one that helps to express to them the love of God we've got some other prayer resources back in the prayer room there's a little um, book called Seeking God for the City I think we've got copies back there and also copies you can buy at the resource center it's just a, a day after day prayer for the city for God to impact have an influence and change the city of Indianapolis so if you want to be a part of that see it back there buy it as a resource center okay Let's pray. Father, thank you for your work here this morning. Strengthening us with your power in our inner beings. Exposing us, God, to your love and to your power. Now, Lord, we say, as Paul said at the end of his prayer, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay.
Well, I would uh, encourage you to run, not walk, to the prayer room, sign up, to show up for your encounter with God, and go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a great day.